0: Thank you, Jared, and thank you for being here tonight. We are looking at Acts chapter 18 in our study. We're going to be looking specifically at Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 1 down through verse 11. And so I'd invite you to turn with me to Acts 18 in our study tonight. Very grateful for your presence tonight. Always thankful to have you back. We're grateful that we have the opportunity to be back to worship God and to also be with uh, people of like precious faith. Very thankful for a good day, beautiful day, and hard to believe that fall is in the air. Well, (laughs) I wouldn't say that quite yet, but we're close. Maybe that's wishful thinking. Really feels more like summertime, but uh, I noticed uh, hopefully uh, the trend's going to start moving toward fall. Let's look at Acts chapter 18 tonight. Acts chapter 18. Tonight I want us to talk for a minute or two about the theme, Do Not Be Afraid to Share the Lord. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, you read about one of the great servants of God. And Paul, as you well know, is probably one of the greatest preachers to have ever lived. Based on what we know from the New Testament, Paul made a profound impact on the lives of many people. No doubt, Paul changed a lot of lives through his efforts in sharing the gospel. And I think about the many difficulties and trials and tribulations that he faced on numerous occasions. As a matter of fact, in his letter to the church at Corinth, he would discuss at length the many difficulties and hardships that he faced as a servant of the Lord. And I have no doubt that there were times when Paul was somewhat concerned about the situation at hand. I have no doubt that there were times when Paul, like many of us, would have had anxieties. And yet you look at the life of Paul and you think about his spirit. Paul was more than willing to die for the cause of Christ. As a matter of fact, he would tell the saints in Philippi that Christ would be magnified in his body whether by life or by death, in verse 20 of chapter 1. And yet, Paul, even though he reached many, many people, no doubt became discouraged. There's no doubt that Paul, at times, felt some trepidation in the work before him. And so I want us to look at Acts chapter 18. Paul, as you well know, has been preaching and teaching the gospel. He's had great results in the city of Philippi. From Philippi he has made his way to the city of Thessalonica. From there, he was run out of town and made his way into the city of Berea. And then from Berea, he traveled to Athens, leaving behind Timothy and Silas, encouraging them to meet up with him in Athens. And then in chapter 18, after having declared in Athens the one true God, pointing out that there would come a time in which God would judge the world, by the man whom he had raised from the dead, that being Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The text tells us in verse 1 of chapter 18 that Paul departed Athens and made his way to the city of Corinth. Athens, as you well know, was a great intellectual center in Paul's day. Corinth was also, likewise, a very important city. Corinth, being about 50 miles or less from the city of Athens. And it would have been westward had he been traveling from Athens as Luke reports in chapter 18, verse 1. And so when he makes his way to the city of Corinth, Paul is going to spend a lot of time there. and He's going to do a lot of good. And you have to understand that the city of Corinth was well known for two things. One, immorality. The other, idolatry. As a matter of fact, historians state that the city of Corinth, Corinth, the name Corinth, became synonymous with immorality. And so Paul is really in a city engulfed in spiritual darkness. And you ask the question, why would Paul spend time in a city that has literally been given over to spiritual darkness? Well, as we'll see in a moment, There were many people in that city, and what they needed was the gospel. And so in light of that, God placed him in this city and used him for about 18 months to share the gospel of Christ. So I want us to begin by talking about the time that Paul spent in Corinth. Now, when Paul makes his way to the city of Corinth, he makes some friends, he also makes some enemies or some foes. And so look with me, if you would, in verses 2 and 3, we find that Paul encounters a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. Now think about the conviction of Aquila and Priscilla. Some have questioned whether or not they were New Testament Christians when, they, when Paul met up with them in the city of Corinth. I tend to believe that they had a Jewish background, but at this point in time they were children of God. The time would have been about A.D. 52. And Claudius had, Claudius had made it impossible for Jews to stay in Rome, and so they had departed. And you remember a little bit later in chapter 18 when in Ephesus, Aquila and and Priscilla pull Apollos to the side. Apollos was an eloquent man, a great preacher. And they pulled him to the side. He had been preaching the baptism of John. So they pull him to the side and teach him the way of God more accurately. And so Aquila and Priscilla, good people. They became great friends of the Apostle Paul. So I think about their conviction, and then note, if you would, their trade, their craft. In verse 3, the Bible says, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. Paul was bivocational, wasn't he? He had the opportunity to preach, to teach, but he also supported himself. Now, there were occasions when he was supported by members of the body of Christ in his evangelistic efforts. So Paul is in the city of Corinth. He cultivates a number of friends. And then note, if you would, what is said in verse 4. In verse 4, we come face to face with his foes or those that were antagonistic to his spiritual work. The Bible says in verse 4, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Paul would often seek out a synagogue, wouldn't he? And the reason being, he could find a ready-made audience. You remember back in Thessalonica, turn back to chapter 17 for a moment. Paul, as you well know, entered Thessalonica he finds the synagogue of the Jews and in verse two, the Bible says, Paul as his custom was. In other words, this is something that he regularly did. So he goes in among the people and for three Sabbaths, he reasons with them from the scriptures. And note if you would what Luke says, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preached to you Is the Christ. Now, in effect, that's exactly what he said to those in Corinth, the Jews, and also to the Greeks. When we talk about preaching Jesus as the Christ, what we're saying is the Christ is the anointed one. He was the Messiah, the long awaited deliverer of whom the prophets had foretold centuries earlier. And so the Apostle Paul and others in the first century, they sought to the best of their ability to point out that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies. And so note, if you would, in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia. Now, back in chapter 17, Paul had left Timothy and Silas in the city of Berea He made his way to Athens and you remember he told them to meet him there. Apparently, Silas at least made his way to Athens and then Paul sent him from Athens to Macedonia or to the city of Thessalonica. He was sent there by Paul to establish and comfort them concerning their faith. And so now he makes his way to the city of Corinth the Bible says that Paul was constrained by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. And note, if you would, what is said in verse 6. But when they opposed Him and blasphemed, and I would take it to mean that they blasphemed not only the Apostle Paul and his work, but also the Christ. They were resistant, not only to the message, but to the messenger. And so the Bible says, When they opposed Him and blasphemed, He shook His garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I'm clean, or I'm free. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Paul recognized that these people were not interested in the Christ, the Son of God. I think it's worth pointing out that they stood in direct opposition not only to the messenger, but to the message. You remember in Matthew chapter 15 when Jesus was talking to the Jews of His day and they had, they had circumvented the law of God with regard to caring for their parents. By dedicating certain money, they called it Corbin. And that was their out in caring financially for their parents. And Jesus pointed out that They had made God's Word of none effect among them, that uh, they they had appealed to the doctrines and commandments of men rather than accepting the truth of Almighty God. And the text tells us in Matthew chapter 15 that the Pharisees were offended at what He had said. They didn't like it. Sometimes when we preach and teach the truth of God, there are times when the message is received, isn't it? And then there are other occasions when people reject what has been said. So on this occasion, many of the Jews also, well, many of the Jews, they were resistant to this message. So now look with me, if you would, in the second place with regard to the truth that was shared by Paul in Corinth. I want to pick up in verse 7. Paul has been preaching, as I said a moment ago, in the synagogue, The Jews have rejected his message. And so in verse 7, the Bible says, He departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice. And I would take from this that he uses this as a place of teaching. Interestingly, well, the text says, One who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Now look at verse 8. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, a very powerful man, an important man, Believed on the Lord with all his household. Let me just pause there for a minute. Paul here is sharing the truth among the Corinthian people. He has found an audience among religious people. Crispus, of course, being the ruler of the synagogue, a Jew, has been receptive to the truth of Almighty God. And note, if you would, this statement by Luke. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, Paul said, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So this man who was a ruler of the synagogue had been baptized by the hand of Paul. Now in that same context, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul would say, That God did not send him to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Some have taken that to mean that the Lord is not saying baptism is essential in God's plan. That's not what Paul is saying. That's not what God was saying. What God was saying and what Paul is recording here is that the administrator of baptism is not, well, is really inconsequential, it's not important. What's important is to be receptive to the truth and obey the gospel. And so, now note if you would the command. There is a command given by the Lord to the Apostle Paul. In verse 9, the Bible says the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. And here's what God said Number one, he said, I want you to be fearless as a messenger. And number two, he says, I want you to be faithful as a messenger. Note, if you would, do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. Do you think possibly Paul had some fears, concerns, possibly some trepidation on his part with regard to sharing the gospel? He's already been met with resistance. The Jews have opposed him. And the Lord says, look, here's what. Here's what you need to understand, Paul. You don't need to be afraid. Now last week in our study, and I think I referenced it this morning as well, in Matthew chapter 10, the limited commission, when the Lord sent the disciples out, you remember? Specifically, Jesus said three times, do not be afraid. Matthew 10, verse 26, verse 28, verse 31. And Paul here is being told by the Lord Himself, Paul, I don't want you to fear. Sometimes we have reservations and fears when it comes to sharing the gospel. And you think about, and we've talked about the last couple of weeks, how Christianity has, in many respects, come into fire in America. And there are many today who are hostile towards Christianity. They're hostile when we talk about Jesus and God's Word and living for God. Well, there were people in the first century that were hostile as well. It would have been very easy to have, it would have been very easy to have withheld the message. Rather than speak up and speaking out, it would have been very easy to have said, you know what, best thing I can do, just not say anything. But God said, here's what I need you to do, Paul. I need you to be fearless. I need you to be faithful in sharing the gospel of Christ. And listen to what he said in verse 10. I think this is really important. For I'm with you. Do you remember when Jesus gave the Great Commission? Matthew 28, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he said, And lo, I am with you. God is with His people when they carry out His work. And so God is telling the Apostle Paul, Look, I am with you. And then he goes on to say, And no one will attack you. I think God is saying, I think the Lord's saying to Paul, Look, you are safe in my hands. You are this chosen vessel of mine. I have you in Corinth. I want you to do a great work in this city. And why is that? Listen to what he says for I have many people in this city. Historians indicate that there were about 700,000 people living in Corinth in Paul's day. That's a large city, isn't it? Historically speaking, about 400 B.C., there were about 90,000 people living in Corinth. So the city has grown incredibly. And this is a tremendous opportunity for Paul to share the gospel of Christ with these people. Now you look around today and you think about the world in which we live. Seven billion people, give or take a few. What does the world need today more than anything? The gospel, doesn't it? And we talk about the command given by the Lord, but I think about Paul's compliance. Verse 11 says that Paul continued there a year and six months. And note what it said, teaching the Word of God among them. What person do you think Paul preached? Paul didn't preach himself, did he? As a matter of fact, in writing his second letter to the church at Corinth, He said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for His sake. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23, Paul would say, we preach Christ and Him crucified. Why the crucified Savior? Because it's only through Jesus that people have the hope of eternal life. Didn't Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? No man cometh unto the Father but by me? Didn't Luke say in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, in recording the words of Peter and John, neither is there salvation in any other? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And So Paul and those who are with him, they are shouting from the rooftops, Christ and Him crucified. But then I want you to think for a minute or two about the people to whom Paul preached. I said a minute ago that Corinth, the name Corinth, was synonymous with immorality. You gain insight into the conduct, so to speak, of the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn over and look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for a moment. And listen to what Paul says as he describes the people who made up this great city. Verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then listen to him in verse 11. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. Paul is, Paul is in a city literally filled with spiritual darkness. I mean, you want to talk about immorality? And pagan idolatry? It was literally on every street corner. And God placed the Apostle Paul right in the middle of this city. For what purpose? To share Christ. Because as the Lord said to the Apostle Paul, Look, Paul, I have many people in this city. And they needed to hear about the Christ, didn't they? Now you look around in the world today, you look around in this Mid-South area. What do people need more than anything? They need the gospel, don't they? Only the gospel will save. I have no doubt that there were a lot of needs in the city of Corinth. Historians indicate that two-thirds of the population, think about this, two-thirds of the population in Corinth, were slaves. That's a lot of people living in slavery. What's worse than being in fiscal slavery? Spiritual slavery. That's the absolute worst of the worst. Do you remember Jesus said that those who commit sin are literally the bondservants of sin in John chapter 8, verse 34? But Jesus would say on the heels of that statement, but if the Son has made you free, He said, you'll be free indeed. So here's the Apostle Paul. He's in the city of Corinth. He shares the truth with these people, ultimately liberating them from the shackles of spiritual slavery. And really what you see, a transformation. When you look at the record, think if you would about the transformation that Paul saw in Corinth. Now you think, Paul's in hes in this city for 18 months. He's had the opportunity to meet a lot of people. He's had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people, to teach a lot of people to encourage a lot of people. As Luke tells us, he continued there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. So in his preaching and teaching Christ, what about the cleansing of those people in that day and time? We'll go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Because Paul said, And such were some of you. In other words, you had been fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, extortioners, drunkards. You had lived like that. But he went on to say, but you were washed. How so? Listen again to what Luke says. Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. They were baptized into Christ so that they might appropriate the blood of Christ. And then they were added to the body of Christ. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 13, Paul would say, by one spirit were you all baptized into one body. And so they made up, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, the church of God. So these people were enjoying the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. How was that experienced? The new birth? They were baptized into Christ. As a result of that, they had a new beginning. Now think about Paul's audience. Paul is is in Corinth, a city steeped in immorality and idolatry. He is among people who have been living in sin for years and years and years. Their lives are steeped in sin. There were temple prostitutes I mean, there was so much sin and unrighteousness in this city. And these people, as a result of the new birth, experienced a new beginning. What do you think people want in our world today when it's all said and done? Are there not people in our world tonight? Are there not people in this city, in this area, in this Mid-South region, that they look back over their lives and what they see is not a pretty picture. They're not proud of their past. Some have made mistake after mistake. Some are sick and tired of being sick and tired. There are a lot of people in this area tonight who I promise you are looking for a better way of life. Now, they may not know the answer. They may not have the answer. We have the answer, don't we? They're looking for the right prescription. That prescription is Jesus. Paul had the antidote for sin, if you please. Paul shared the gospel with these people. What he did was give them the opportunity to begin life anew. Now you tell me that message won't resonate with people today. Do you remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Look over in chapter 5 verse 17 for a moment. I would encourage you to underline this passage. In verse 14, Paul said, The love of Christ constrains us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And then listen to what he says in verse 15, and he died for all. Jesus died. He paid the price for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if any man be in Christ, He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What are you saying, Paul? The new birth afforded these people a new beginning, didn't it? And with a new beginning, new blessings. These people have been ushered in to a whole new way of life. You talk about lifting people out of spiritual poverty. There are a lot of folks in poverty tonight. Physically, yes there are many people who are in spiritual poverty and they are enslaved to a life of sin and Jesus has the ability and the power to set them free. The gospel message. The gospel will liberate people, will it not? Yes, it will. And so you think about the challenges that awaited these people. Sometimes One of the most difficult things to do is to learn to forgive ourselves, isn't it? Do you think some of the people in Corinth had trouble forgiving themselves? Do you ever have trouble in your life forgiving yourself from mistakes, things that you've said and done? Sure, we all do. The hardest person to forgive sometimes is self. So, One of the challenges is to realize the new birth affords us a new beginning, provides for us new blessings. The gospel makes us different people, doesn't it? Paul had been a persecutor, he had, as Luke said, made havoc of the church. His life was transformed, his life became one of serving the Lord. He had to learn to put the past behind him. These folks had to do the same. And they had to understand that they now enjoyed a different relationship with the world and with the Lord. So you think about these people to whom Paul is writing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church of God at Corinth. He is writing to these people. He says, they have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. The word sanctified means to be set apart. They had been set apart from the world under God. Paul would say in Colossians chapter 1 that we are delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. That's what occurred when these people obeyed the gospel, didn't it? So to understand that they are sanctified people and then listen to what Paul said. You have been sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints. Can you imagine that? You mean to tell me these people that have been living in fornication, idolatry, adultery, homosexuality, those that have been thieves and covetous and drunkards and on and on and on, that they are now identified as saints? It's exactly right. You see, our status changes when we become a Christian, doesn't it? How many times have you heard somebody say, I'm no saint? If you're a Christian, you're a saint. You are a saint of the Most High God. You've been set apart from the world. Now sometimes people in the church, they go back to living in the world. But Paul is writing to people who have been cleansed, they've been redeemed. They are a part of the body of Christ. They have the hope of heaven. And listen, Paul is saying to these people, you now belong to God. You're not to to live any longer to yourself. Your life is about bringing honor and glory to God. What's that say about what the gospel can do for people today? Think about Paul. I want to close by just very quickly, maybe reminding us about Paul. When Paul stood face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, as we say, with sinful people. Paul knew something about sin, didn't he? He knew something about what sin does to the life of a person. Do you remember in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul said, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul said, let me tell you what, you want to know, do you want to know who the poster child for sin is in the world? It's me. Paul could relate to people in sin. And Paul could say, look, if the Lord, if the Lord could change my life and take me and make me a channel of blessings to other people, He can do the same for you. So, Paul did a great work in Corinth. That's just one city. And you think about his fears, possibly his concerns. The Lord allays all those fears, all those concerns, and He says, look, here's what you need to do, Paul. You need to be fearless. You need to be faithful. Because I've got a lot of folks in this city, and they need the gospel. And let me tell you what, His work speaks for itself. When Luke, when Luke talked about the converts in Corinth, he said many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. I would encourage us to reach out to our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our co-workers, our classmates, people that we come in contact with on a daily basis. Can it be frightening? Yes. Do we have concerns sometimes? Sure. But remember, the Lord was with Paul, he'll be with us, won't he? If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you haven't done what they did in Corinth, you haven't been baptized for the remission of your sins, why not make tonight the night that you become a child of God? You may have decided to come here tonight, you're not a Christian. You came here never intending to become a Christian, but you realized the need to obey the gospel. You understand that without Christ, you're lost. If you'll obey the gospel, Jesus said you can enjoy salvation, Mark 16, 16. You can be a part of the church, Acts 2, verse 47. If you're here tonight, you're not faithful to His cause, you need the prayers of the church. Why not let us pray with you and for you tonight as we stand and sing?